Well, I'll tell you what, while celebrating a holiday that desecrated an entire nation of people, I think it's kind of it's kind of fitting that WWE desecrated the Undertaker's career. <laughs> <laughs> the most historied, storied, and protected career of anybody in professional wrestling by far. And went out with a whimper and a purr. And now he's doing really ridiculous cameos for people's mom's birthdays and thanking Vince and Linda and WWE for making any of this possible. Oh, it's so fun. It's awesome. Oh. And we are going to get into that, folks. We're going to get into that, and you're going to hear every sigh, cuss, and scream that we have about it. Got a lot uh, of that in me today, Fat Mac. <laughs> yes. Oh, boy. Pasty's fired up today, folks. Yeah, should be a, a fun show. I think it's going to be another short one. But, you know, this COVID deal, I think everything, everything suffers. And our podcast is no different. Yep. With less stuff going on, there's just going to be less news. That's a given. Mm, I hope all you fine people out there who celebrated Thanksgiving at home... Have plenty of leftovers for yourselves this year. That's, I think, the biggest bonus of it. You know, I had a... Me and my son had a little COVID Thanksgiving by ourselves, and I thought we'd have a lot of leftovers. And really, we just had about uh We had extra potatoes and extra green bean casserole and just about enough for one extra day of it, really. Oh, nice. I was I was surprised. I thought we'd have more, but... You know, it was very nice. I hate to say it, but it was really nice to just be alone on Thanksgiving with my son and just be able to do it, him and I. Hey, it's kind of cool. I mean, whose fucking bright idea was it to have two family gathering holidays less than a month apart anyway? Not only that, but... Lunatic. (laughs) Yeah, and you know, a lot of people, I'd I'd say more than 50% of folks go to two different family events for both of those holidays. That's four times you're meeting family that you don't even like. (laughs) Like one, maybe two out of the seven you see you like. Yeah. Maybe maybe two you tolerate and the rest of them. And And who knows what 2020 because battle lines have been drawn. (laughs) It's nuts. It's crazy. I've heard, I've heard a thing. I've heard of gatherings pasty this week where, where kids were shooting guns around and everything. It's insane. Oh. It's a weird it's a weird time, buddy. It's crazy. But you know, the ho- the the holiday is coming up and it is the time to give gifts. And I think any pro wrestling fan could definitely appreciate a t-shirt from prowrestlingtees.com. Oh yes, if you're a fan of any pro wrestler in an indie promotion or any non-wrestler for that matter, then you're likely familiar with ProWrestlingTees.com. No, they're not a sponsor, folks. This is a segment. <laughs> it is akin to WWEShop.com, also not a sponsor. But for the talent outside of that promotion, as it's a website and store for wrestlers to sell merchandise. In an interview with Chris Van Vliet, uh, one that I actually did not get to listen to this week, but I'm looking forward to it, the site created by Ryan Barkan has exposed the best-selling shirt of 2020. He stated the number one seller of the year is Orange Cassidy. It's Woo! the orange shirt that just has the thumbs up on it and says, Freshly squeezed. 
that's the number one seller for the year. When we got that's a it's a big fall from Bullet Club, isn't it? <laughs> I love it's, it's, Orange Cassidy. I'm just saying. Yeah, I was gonna say it surprised me. Yeah, I love Orange Cassidy. I know he has a big cult following, but wow, yeah, that did surprise me. Yes. And of course, when asked what the best selling shirt of all time is, he revealed the second Bullet Club shirts. The Bone Soldier with the Skull. And of course, that's obviously iconic. Iconic. Do the pose. Thank you. Yes, I did it. <laughs> did you go to the left or the right? That's the question. I went to the right. Oh, good. We're on the same page. Right. We're opposite pages, but perfectly. Right. <laughs> And they sold about 150,000 of that shirt specifically. Not the iconic shirt. That's on <laughs> WWE Shop and probably hasn't sold a quarter of that. Probably not. <laughs> yeah, I think that's kind of really telling. Uh, surprised. And there's there's a little correlation there, and you can see that it seems that AEW at least picks the... Uh, at least picks the folks that have that cult following, because you can tell a, a number of people from Bullet Club are in AEW now. I guess a number of people from Bullet Club are in Impact and New Japan and WWE, so I guess that kind of pointless to say. But, yeah, freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy, number one selling shirt of 2020. Caught me off guard. That's that's good stuff. And he, he he's earned it. He deserved it. You know, this isn't like a title where... Somebody in the back, you know, thinks a good story means that they get this. I mean, he's literally earned people wanting to buy his merchandise. That's amazing. I want to know what the sales on that site would look like if WWE allowed their performers to sell their merch on that site. Oh, I'd go through the roof. Yeah, but how how would it stack up to Bullet Club? Like, would would Bullet Club be uh, not non-existent in comparison? I mean, and this is also me saying, you know, WWE is still going to have their own merchandise too, but wrestlers are just able to sell side merchandise over there or whatever. But I don't yeah, know. it would it would definitely change the format a bit. It definitely would. And Pasty, there was a man quite a few years ago who changed the format for all of pro wrestling. Because in this week's, in this week, pro wrestling history... We go all the way back to 11-27-1949. National Wrestling Alliance World Heavyweight Champion Orville Brown forfeits the title to Luthez due to injuries suffered in a car accident. Very pressing yeah. injuries. The accident Luthes would end... Pressing. <laughs> I, I got it. <laughs> the accident would end Brown's career, but as for Thez, he would spend the next three years unifying every version of the NWA World Heavyweight Championship, completing his task in Los Angeles when he defeated Baron Michel Leon in 1952. Like the man who All right, there, Stone Cold. Press better than the man <laughs> who invented it. Yeah, but you know what? I think uh, I think Mickey James did a little better than Stone Cold. I want to see Stone Cold go for a Guinness Book of World Records where there's just like a line of dudes and he's got a Luthez press press him. That's awesome. (laughs) So, yeah, that's kind of how the uh, storied career of Luthez came about. And, you know, I think it may sound weird to some people listening. He unified every version of the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. Back then, there was no TV covering stuff, and there wasn't even really national publications. They were all local. 
so there was literally a NWA World Heavyweight Champion in a lot of uh, in a lot of different territories because I mean you want to have a championship match, don't you? Yep. So, but they I, I like the fact that they actually had him win them all to unify it into one. The ultimate really awesome. undisputed champion. Yes, before Jericho. <laughs> Good old Luthes. Good times. But you can't have good times without bad times. And I tell you, last Sunday. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> WWE Survivor Series. Holy crap. I wasn't impressed. I mean, I'm usually not impressed, but I was especially unimpressed this year. It was very, I was explaining before the show, it was very up and down for me. I think I literally enjoyed every other match and literally didn't like every other match so kind of odd kind of a weird one so i guess uh you want to start this out pasty yeah we'll kick it off with the pre-show which featured your typical survivor series battle royal this being an 18 man dual brand battle royal with the miz Winning for reasons. I don't know. He doesn't need it. He has the money in the bank now. It was kind of weird and awkward to me. Did you watch it? I had it on, and I can't remember who, but I I remember saying there was, like, some definitely more deserving people than The Miz. He did that stupid shit where he stays outside the ring until the end. Oh, God. That's getting so old and cliche. He's done it too many times himself, just as him. Like... In wrestling, right. it's lame, but he's done it a lot. <laughs> lazy, lazy writing. That's all it is, really. <laughs> that's that's Survivor Series for you. Yeah. You know, I, I watched a little documentary they were doing on uh, Wrestle Wrestle Two Wrestle Talk's new channel about why Survivor Series sucks, and it's because Survivor Series was made to to block out other promotions shows. Um, uh, Starcade. Yeah, Starcade. Yeah, yeah. Jim Crockett's uh, Starcade mm. because they would. Yeah, they, they wanted to counter program. In fact, Vince McMahon told the cable companies that if they didn't run Survivor Series instead of Starcade, he wouldn't let them have WrestleMania, and that's how yeah. he ended up getting all the extra buys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so Survivor Series started good because it was out of necessity, but much like things in WWE go. It became less necessary every year, and it still continued. Like Vince. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, the thing is, with it being one of the big four, that they're just not going to retire it just because of that, which is pointless. Yeah. You know, they retired so many other pay-per-views. Just retire Survivor Series. Yeah. Honestly, I think Elimination Chamber, even though that's boring too, is probably more fitting to be a big four just because it's the the, the caliber of the event, you know. Well, and it is basically an eliminate. It is basically a Survivor Series. It's just yeah. not a tag. Yeah. It's not teams of five strive to survive. It's five guys strive, strive. to five high five burgers or something. and fries. Something about burgers yeah. and fries. <laughs> it's gotta rhyme, damn it! You want the colossal tussle, the brawl to end it all, the colossal tussle. Hmm. Gotta love the colossal tussle. 
But hey, yeah, see big, them. Big, big shouts out to Wrestle Talk. I like what they're doing with Wrestle Two. They got a lot more like documentary stuff, like like explaining like things that happened, uh, blading why it was so great and why it's not good at the same time, like things like that. I like what they're doing. They're doing good stuff. That's cool. I didn't even know they had a new channel. I might have to check that out. That's kind of neat. We move into the actual show. We start off with the men's traditional Survivor Series match. Team Raw, composed of AJ Styles, Braun Strowman, Keith Lee, Riddle, and Sheamus, defeated Team SmackDown of Kevin Owens, King Corbin, Jey Uso, Otis, Seth Rollins. I know when we made our picks for this, I I was like, oh, yeah, SmackDown's going to win this pay-per-view. I don't need to know who the rest of the people in the match are. I don't give a shit. Let's just get this over with. But then I saw the lineup, and then I saw Seth Rollins lay down for Sheamus, but just take <laughs> me out and pin me. I was like, oh, fuck, SmackDown doesn't even have a team. <laughs> like, you got Kevin Owens. And yeah, who was the – I know Otis was one of them we didn't have. Who was the other one we didn't have, or was it just Otis? I think it was pro- – I, uh, I think it was just one in the men's. So okay. I think it was just Otis, yeah. Yeah, I wrote in my notes, I said, after doing his best Orange Cassidy, Seth Rollins sacrificed himself. <laughs> that was basically it. He came in and just didn't care. Yeah, got on his knees. He said, you will serve your purpose. Told Seamus he will serve his purpose. And then just kind of sat there for the brogue kick. Yeah, I literally went out to, to the kitchen to grab a, a beer and some nachos grandes. And I came back and Siles was gone. And I didn't even realize it till a ways down the match yet. Yeah, yeah. After that, AJ Styles eliminated Kevin Owens with a phenomenal forearm. Riddle pinned Corbin. Keith Lee eliminated Jay Uso, and Strowman power slammed Otis for the clean sweep victory. Yes, the Keith you Lee know, Otis stuff was pretty okay. Although I feel like you should keep them away from each other most of the time. I think this is the one time you would have them kind of because they're both the big guys. They're the new big guys in the, in town. They're both very different, and and I think they play well together. I, I don't know. I and like can I just doing big power moves to each other. Can I just say that Braun Strowman has done his best big show? My God, he's in the best shape I've ever seen he him in. He looks great. I he haven't seen him for a while. Dick, yeah. He looks great. <laughs> I don't know if he hasn't been on pay-per-views for a while or if he just in one month cleaned up his act or something, but all of a sudden I seen him and I was like, holy shit. Yeah, no, I he think he's amazing. been real cut since they started the his shit with – uh, Bray Wyatt right about that yeah. time. <sighs> so, Raw gets the clean sweep. I gave it a grade C. I mean, Survivor Series matches are, are tough to begin with. It's just, it's always hard. There's not a story. There's good guys versus good guys and heels versus heels, and it's just, it's really hard to grade them, I guess, but... Whatever. The thing that really got me, too, is in the beginning, Team Raw was, like, arguing with who was going to be in first and looked like they were going to be the ones to fall apart, and then SmackDown just everybody shit their pants at the same time, and <laughs> they called it a match. I don't know. It was dumb. Uh, Jay yeah, Uso, even... Uso trying to hold it in for the team was pretty cool. I liked that. I didn't like that they didn't let him pin anybody. Same here. I told my son, I was like, he's going to take out three of them and it's going to, and, and there's going to be two left and then they'll Put take them out. Between Braun Strowman and Keith Lee at the end. Yeah, that would right. be cool. It's like, okay, you know, he, he fought hard and diligently. Nobody could say he didn't, but in the end it was just the numbers won. Yeah. It's sad when not even Sheamus or Riddle got eliminated. Like, ugh. <laughs> yeah. 
Agreed. Then we had a non-title match. Man, that's the way the cookie crumbles on this pay-per-view. The SmackDown <laughs> no tag stakes team for cha- anything. <laughs> the SmackDown Tag Team Champions, Street Profits, my boys, took down Raw Tag Team Champions, New Day. My boys more, and it really upset me when they did this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this one was it was high energy, strong in ring content, and they they actually had a little bit of a story in here. Not going into it, but with uh, Montez Ford's injured midsection, it kind of made for a pretty enjoyable match, I think. They did have the classic Survivor Series problem of being babyface versus babyface, but I think these two teams found a way to tell a story. And they told a story that never really made either of them have to play the stereotypical heels and still made it an enjoyable match. So I think that's a testament to these guys, but I also I had to research who was the agent for this match because you got to give a shout-out to them. Pat Buck was apparently the agent for this, and I give him a lot of credit too for making two babyface teams have a really decent, good, 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 very good match. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was good. I'm just mad that New Day, you know, lost to the new kids in town and Big E didn't do more to help them. I don't know. I thought this was going to be just that feel-good last, like, big thing for the New Day, but it's just they're passing the torch. I, I, I guess I'm not ready for that yet. It was nice to see the New Day come down together, you know, so they aren't actually broken up. There's one's on one team and the other two are on the other team. Yeah. So that was cool. And I I think, I I disagree with you. I think in a match like this where there are no stakes, I think it's awesome for the veterans to do the honors for the up-and-comers and and give them a little rub. Yeah, yeah. Because they're not out anything. It's it's mostly just me clinging to the past with the new day. I love them. I hear you, man. I know it's all downhill for them from here. You know that that's the sad part. I'm hoping not, but I mean, you don't know. Well, I mean, it's uphill for Xavier, and we'll get into that a little bit later in the show. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, then we had another non-title match, Pacey. United States champion Bobby Lashley defeated Intercontinental champion Sami Zayn with a daygum, uh, uh, full Nelson. Yeah, the, the, I like that he's bringing lock. back the full Nelson. The master lock, yes. You don't see enough, um, the sleeper's getting brought back and the full Nelson's getting brought back and I'm, I'm loving it. I like it. Those are moves that Nelson should be able is to a good people. move. It's easy to do on somebody. It doesn't really cause any damage and it looks brutal. It's a and it's a realistic move. I've used a full Nelson in street fights. Oh yeah, yeah. I've broken up lots of fights at parties. That's my go-to to break up fights yeah. at parties. That boom, immobilize. I can immobilize a guy bigger than me easy with that move. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> what do you got on this one? Anything? Uh, like I said, I I didn't even see it. I was, was probably still <laughs> upset about New Day losing. Um. And upset about the way that the first match went. I don't know. At this point, uh, I had that sour taste in my mouth. I'm like, this is just going to be a shit show. And so to me, it was. Well, I feel like this was basically a squash match, but I thought it was a kind of fun squash match with Lashley just overpowered, dominating Zayn all the time. But at the end of the match, 
the IC champ had a somewhat logical complaint about the interference of MVP. So um, if you didn't see it, Pacey, I don't know if you caught any recaps. Basically, Zayn was taking a powder. He left the ring and walked off for a little bit to the ramp. And MVP just put his leg out enough to trip Sami Zayn and then threw him back in the ring. And that was when Bobby Lashley got him and, and took him out. So I think that was kind of cool that the, the heel's going to whine, but he had a, a little bit of a reason to. And, you know, the it, it moves Zayn's paranoia angle going forward, too. So it at least yeah. advances that story. Yeah, I think so. A uh, little, little bit of a short match, and I don't think we get to see any of his, like, sheer genius. No. I gave it a C+. Plus. I mean, yeah. it happened. Yep. It's hard to it's hard to give these matches good grades when they don't mean anything. They don't go anywhere, and it doesn't matter. Exactly. Mm. Then we had the non-title SmackDown Women's Championship winner, Sasha Banks, defeating the Raw Women's Champion, Asuka. I think it's impossible for these two to have a bad match, Pasty. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think it's impossible. This match, the chemistry was was the best in the whole show between these two out of anybody else. And they, they hit their reversals and counters, and, and they did a lot of actual, like, chain wrestling that I think some of the younger talents would probably kind of stumble through. Actually, I've seen younger talents kind of stumble through and – maybe not quite connect and stuff. And I, I don't know. This one kept me on the edge of my seat. I figured either person could win. I think Banks winning was kind of the right move. You know, she's the newer champ. It helps solidify her title. She's the Oscar's... championship twice now and kept it, which is a big move for her. Yeah, ex- yeah it is. And Oscar, you know, she's been at the top of the raw for a while. And to be honest, WWE doesn't seem to have any focus on Oscar anyways. So, it kind of seemed like a no-brainer to me. Sorry, Pasty, because you picked Asuka, but I, I think it... Yeah, I really liked this one. I gave this an A grade. I was... I loved this. It was solid. I, like I said, the rest of the show was dragging. <laughs> you already... Just, yep, I, I had already made up my mind about this show. <laughs> I knew they were putting everything into... At this point, I knew for a fact Reigns and McIntyre was going to be the best thing to watch, and so there was really no point to care until then. <laughs> but uh, I'm not going to take anything away from these women. You know, and Sasha now has defended her title twice, and that's a great thing. But there's one thing she's forgetting, and that's she may have defended her title successfully, but she hasn't done it against Charlotte Flair. Here we go, WrestleMania. Let's fuck oh, that duh. Bailey sasha <laughs> storyline and put uh, and put Charlotte in her place. I'm I'm <laughs> Honestly, I could complain that I haven't had enough Charlotte Flair this year. You know, I I can I can say that I haven't had too much of her, so that's good. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to say I haven't had enough, but I, I can definitely say she hasn't been uh oversaturated like she has in the past. Mhm. And if we want to talk about oversaturation of women wrestlers, Pasty, boy, this is the perfect segue because we got the Women's Survivor Series match. <laughs> Team Raw comprised of Lacey Evans, Lana, Nia Jax, Peyton Royce, and Shayna Baszler defeated Team SmackDown composed of 
Bailey, Bianca Belair, Liv Morgan, Natalia, and Ruby Riot. Oh, they they could have done something great with this match. You know, it started out good. It started out good. I think yeah. Bailey taking charge of the team, seeming kind of heel, but actually uniting the team, was good. Uh. You know, I thought going into this, hey, at least I'll get to see Lana go through a table. I didn't get that. <laughs> didn't get to see Lana do anything, did you? I got to see her <laughs> win the match. I guess. So the uh so the eliminations go Peyton Royce surprisingly eliminated Bailey first. So in the men's we had Seth Rollins out first and in the women's we had Bailey out first. I don't I don't think anybody would have seen that coming. Right, yeah. Uh, Natalia with a sharpshooter took out Peyton Royce. Natalia was eliminated by Lacey Evans. Baszler tapped out Ruby Riot. Liv took out Evans. Uh, Jax Samoan dropped uh, Liv Morgan out of the match. Baszler got herself DQ'd when she would not release a Kirafuda clutch on Bianca Belair. And then Jax and the EST of WWE brawled on the outside, getting them both counted out and leaving Lana who was the only wrestler to never enter the match as the sole survivor. Not to say she didn't try to enter the match. Nia wouldn't let her. <laughs> you sit on the stairs. <laughs> it was lame. The, the finish was very lame. Uh, the one thing I will say, it works for Lana's story. Yeah. I mean, out of everybody. Something. It's better than Rusev's story. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But honestly, out of everybody in this match, I think any one of them might rather see a story advanced than Lana. So Bianca Belair was phenomenal the whole match. And um, other than that, everyone else was kind of wasted in this match. I feel. Yeah. Yeah. There wasn't nothing, nothing really to write home about on it other than Holy shit. Lana won the match. That's ridiculous and stupid. Aren't we glad we saw that? Um, Hey guys, remember Titus world slide. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah uh yeah i don't know i don't i don't i don't know what the point of this was i don't know why this couldn't have been the first match um it probably would have started the show off better i think and then have the disappointing men's match later i honestly don't know either way i think they were damned either way yeah they were yeah it just, it wasn't a good show. It wasn't a good feeling show. Uh, no. And then we had the best match of the night. Non-title match. Universal I wouldn't say Champion. that, but well, it was a match. It was, yeah. Universal Champion <laughs> Roman Reigns defeating Drew McIntyre by technical submission. And these two really fought in a mirror for 25 minutes. <laughs> it was good, don't get me wrong. I just would rather watch Kenny Omega wrestle a blow-up doll. I, bet. I mean, let's be honest, though. WWE is doing the right thing by Reigns right now. Yeah. He's finally somebody that not only is he enjoyable watching, but you look forward, at least for me, I, I look forward to is, these Reigns matches. The best matches. thing is that they're doing the right thing that would get the fans popping in a time when they could totally just There's have no Roman fans. Reigns the way he was and just pipe in <laughs> the cheers. You know? Yeah, like they did for Undertaker, we'll talk <laughs> oh, about. Oh, yeah, we're getting But I think, I think you could honestly say this, this tribal chief uh, has been 
has been part of some of the best matches in WWE all year. It's I the mean, best easily, thing in WWE in a long time. Oh, yeah, yeah. In this match, he was a dominant antagonist, and uh, McIntyre, he, he came out as the ballsy, resilient face, you know. Um, and you had you had him lose due to Jey Uso interfering, so there's that. Also, once I, again, I, think, I have to point out, before Roman went away and came back this badass heel that everybody loves, Bray Wyatt put him in a mandible claw. Bray changed him. Bray changed him. Yep. And I actually have in my notes right here about the exact same thing you said, Pasty, is the Tribal Chief story is as good as anything WWE has produced in many years. Mm-hmm. And I think this match actually helped advance, uh, it helped showcase Galloway's, you know, slept-on abilities. I think Yeah, he I think did this really showed he moves. Could... Yeah. I'll, I'll give it credit. They, they actually did some stuff. Uh, two guys that aren't known for much <laughs> did some and... good stuff. My last note I have here is probably gonna it's gonna be divisive, I'm sure, but I said this was a legitimate main event main event fit for any show, but unfortunately it had to follow two amazing veterans and Sasha and Asuka and two of the top teams in WWE, one of them trying to prove that they are worthy and the other trying to prove that they're still relevant. Um so I don't think this one was quite as good as the Asuka Sasha or the tag team match. But I did enjoy it. I gave it an A minus grade. I thought it was awesome. It just had some good competition. I feel. Yeah. Yeah, I sat through and the that's first just my time personal and, opinion. And I noticed it was a long match, and I rewound it. I'm like, I got to pay attention to this. And it's just, I don't know. They're too similar, and I'm always gonna see it like that. And so I'm glad they're on different shows. I can see how the uh, Samoan and the Irishman are very similar to you, Pasty. So <laughs> similar. <laughs> And then uh, before we before we give our final thoughts on here, we gotta we gotta talk about the elephant in the room. <sighs> the dead elephant. Yeah, we had the Undertaker's. Shit. What did did they officially call it? Like a Undertaker farewell, or a, I don't know if it had an official name. It was basically Undertaker retiring for the twelfth time yeah, until but until COVID over was... and. Yeah, but until COVID's over and Saudi Arabia wants him again, <laughs> he'll be back. They always come back for that Saudi money. So, um, it started out with... Not even uh, with The Undertaker. <laughs> no, no. It started out them just bringing out a bunch of guys, which some of them kind of made sense and some of them didn't. You know, um, they... Shane McMahon was the first one to come out, and I'm just sitting there like, what the hell does Shane McMahon have to do with The Undertaker? It's like, oh, yeah, that one time he threw him off the cell because they had to give McMahon a, a big push that did nothing. Big Show came out next, and again, I was like, what? These guys don't really have history. Like, They're they've just the old wrestled. guys that hang out backstage. JBL came out. I know JBL is good friends with Undertaker, and you know he was part of the Ministry of Darkness. Made sense. We had Jeff Hardy come out. What? And then I loved the announcers. They're like, you know, back in uh, 2002, Jeff Hardy had a match with Undertaker on Raw, and many people say that that propelled him to greatness. Okay, he had one match on Raw with the fucker. <laughs> okay, his face paint was rocking though. It was the it Undertaker T cool. cross thing and. 
We had Mick Foley come out. He probably should have been the first one out or the last one out, depending on how you want to look at it. Well, Triple H had to be. Yeah. The Godfather. So we had the Godfather come out, which it really bummed me. They they did mention that Godfather is friends with him backstage. And actually, I think, I don't know if at one point they actually mentioned BSK. Yeah. Or not, but um, yeah, okay, they did mention it by name. Yeah. They basically said these guys hung out a lot backstage for sure. So, you know, I was glad to see him there. One thing I was disappointed with, though, they never mentioned the Godfather's run as Papa Shango, where he had a really good rivalry with Undertaker. Yeah. Like, why wouldn't you talk about that? Because that's the character you want to distance yourself from. More than the pimp, I, I guess. I love Papa Shango. <laughs> uh, then you had My the Godwin. favorite was when Godfather was coming down and it cut, cut to Jeff Hardy doing the the, the Godfather walk. The pimp walk. <laughs> that, that was, was good. The little pimp strut. Yeah, with his paint. That was just, it was cute. Godwins came out. You had Henry O. Godwin and Phineas I. Godwin. Of course, those guys were part of BSK back in the day, and Phineas I. Godwin went on to be Midian in the Ministry of Darkness. Uh-huh. Savio Vega, great one of Undertaker's best friends, but, you know, never did anything <laughs> right. wrestling with him. Rikishi, he was uh, part of the BSK. Couldn't be and, there to know. cheer his son on in the last couple of days. <laughs> right? He was there to see the Undertaker go. And all I'm Kevin... sitting here thinking is, oh, my God, WWE's trying to kill all these guys. <laughs> we had Kevin Nash for some reason. Booker <laughs> T for some reason. Shawn Michaels makes sense. They had a good rivalry. Ric Flair for some reason, I guess because they're both old timers. Triple H came out. And then uh, and then, and then, Kane. No, Kane came out before Triple H, didn't he? Uh... I don't remember. I don't remember if it was. I think Triple H and then K- I think yeah, Kane, Kane was, was the last, yeah, very last. And then he he was he was the only one that was fully dressed up in his gimmick, and he was like in a corner by himself. I just thought it was really <laughs> weird. And then like right before they cut away, all of a sudden Shane McMahon comes up to him and starts like yelling at him. I don't know what he was doing, but it's like I was like something's going on with Kane. I don't know if they're ribbing him or what, but. <laughs> I think everybody knows he's the mayor of Knox County and everything. It's like, and nobody else was in their gimmicks. And Undertaker has shed his gimmick. You can just come down. <laughs> it's Glenn Jacobs, maybe with a red shirt or something. But, uh, but all in all, Pasty, having these guys come out took 11 minutes and 42 seconds. And what did they do when they all came out, Pasty? They stood there until everybody was out, and then the lights went out, and they disappeared. And they cut like then then we had to sit through like what a eight eight minute promo video. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, they had a music video after that, which was weird. Which uh, which actually, I I was with you. I thought it was so super long. I timed all of this, folks, just because I wanted to I'm see like, it. You I made Mick Foley and Flair walk down the ramp to stand there for a twenty minute <laughs> promo. Are you kidding me? And um, the music video was actually four minutes and eleven seconds long, which kind of surprised me. It felt longer. Yeah, well, this whole thing felt it long. Felt. Every segment was just too much. After that, Vince came down. Everybody Vince, was gone, right? At yeah, that yeah, point. everybody's gone. It's just Vince in the ring. Why were he they there? He was them all know. along. He was all of them. <laughs> <laughs> he, um, 
I did like I did like his speech. It was two minutes and ten seconds, about the perfect length of a speech. And you could see he seemed really choked up. Like you've seen emotion in him. So either he's an amazing actor or this was huge for him. So I I personally liked that. I could have gone with that over everybody coming out. Yeah. And then the entrance, pasty. And we all know that an Undertaker entrance, especially on a pay-per-view, <laughs> takes a little long. Pasty, I timed this at 9 minutes and 7 seconds. This might have been one of the longest ones of all time. I think it was the longest one of all time. 9 minutes and 7 seconds. And other than the cool Tesla coils playing his entrance music in the very beginning, there was nothing like special. There was no caskets, no druids, no nothing. Nope. They had this stupid blue light and all this fog so you couldn't see anything. Then he sits in the ring, talks for six minutes and 43 seconds. Before even seconds. getting in the ring, I felt like he stood on the stairs for like five minutes. Like, he very well might have. You couldn't see there. anything. You don't he even know. Stood. Yeah. And then, um, and even what he said was kind of meh. Like it didn't yeah. even feel very Super heartfelt. Generic. There's, yeah, there was nothing like, I, it was just, it was like a normal Undertaker promo. Yeah. And again, with this blue light and this fog and him keeping his head tilted down with his hat, like the whole time, all I could see was faces back. They kept the stupid lightning graphics up on the crowd. All I could see was the bottom of his face and then the little cutout in his ring gear where his chest was. And that was about it. It just looked like a floating jaw because you just couldn't see anything else. It was bad production or direction or piping in fake thank you takers and shit. It was... Oh, yeah, that was, that was sad. That's depressing. He's cutting his final promo ever in an audience with nobody. You couldn't put the Zoom people back up so he looked <laughs> like he was talking to some people. And then you pipe in fake-ass chants that you could tell they were fake. You could hear the spots where some of the shit looped back on looped itself. Looped back, yeah. But what, was, what I thought was worse than that was twice Undertaker... Like, put the mic to his mouth, and then they upped the volume slightly, and he put it down like he was waiting for the crowd to die down. Like, get the fuck out of here! That is just pathetic! Like, Undertaker has to feel like the biggest jackass right now. I know! Dude, he's got the most protected, storied career in all of professional wrestling. I, I don't think there'd be anybody more, you know, than The Undertaker when it comes to that. No, and, I would agree. And this is how you go out after 30-plus years in the business, in an arena in front of nobody, writing some shitty promo that WWE wrote for you. And it was just sad. It was just sad. It should have been he was done when he took off his shit and left it in the ring at WrestleMania. Yeah, WrestleMania 33 was the perfect ending point. You know, because even then he was past his prime and wasn't having great matches. Right. And I know at least you could say, oh, well, it's over now at least. Nope. WWE's got him doing fucking cameos. Did you look at some of these like I had told you to? No, I never did get a chance to check out these cameos yet. I'm... I, I was, I almost did, and then I kind of got queasy to my stomach, and I was like, I gotta wait. That's how you feel watching them, I'll tell you that much. Undertaker, in gimmick, dressed up as The Undertaker, it, talking like The Undertaker, but hope you wish your mom a very happy birthday. <laughs> Give her a big hug, tell her it's for from The Undertaker. 
I want to cameo him to the next funeral I have, so he can just say, may she rest in peace. <laughs> Roll his eyes in the back yeah, of his fucking head. One of the cameos at the end, I'm sure this is at the end of all of them, because I only saw clips of them in a montage or whatever. But right. at the end, he's he's like, and a big special thank you to Vince and Linda and WWE, because they made all of this happen. And I'm like, oh my <laughs> fucking God. I feel so bad for this man. I feel so bad for him. But I think the best thing we can do is just forget about it all, right? At this point, because if we Honestly, keep remembering, yeah. Vince is just going to keep dragging him through shit. I'm pretty sure Undertaker is probably the only guy, the only human being that Vince McMahon ever cried in front of or something to where Undertaker feels responsible for Vince's happiness. You know, yeah, it's uh, was it ever whatever it was, it was it's not good. And I saw a lot of good press for it the whole week afterwards. And I'm like, are you blind? Are you dumb? Are you not empathetic? Because I feel for The Undertaker. I don't feel for myself having to sit at home and watch it. No, you know, that wouldn't really be different if there was a crowd of fans there. But for this man who's done so much. For so many people, he's been a legend backstage. He's been a legend in the ring. He's he's the epitome of fucking kayfabe. And this is what he gets. You can't say, oh, yeah, we'll just let this wait another year, you know, to when things are better. Yeah, what they should have done, they should have, well, there's a million and one things they should have done, but they should have done this as a as kind of a dark segment, like after a Monday Night Raw. Now, and, and I'm going to say this, after there are actually fans that are able to come into the arena, they could have people come down, talk about shit, and then they could throw their little music video in there, and then they could put little clips in, and, and like you had mentioned, just put it on like a, an hour, hour and a half little thing on the network, and mm. anybody who wants to watch it can watch it. But honestly, by the time the pay-per-view was over and this was starting, I was like, holy shit, they are doing this tonight. I forgot. Because it felt yes. like they were two separate things, but it's one thing. And it's like, why couldn't have this been the pre-show or in the middle somewhere where it would have felt like it was part of the show? Why is it two different things that are the same thing? I don't That's what I, yeah, it could have been. Uh, they could have ended the pay-per-view and then the very next thing to air on the network could have been this whole segment. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Was... Which, to be honest, I would have sat and watched and would have been just as pissed off and disappointed, but it wouldn't be <laughs> on the Survivor Series pay-per-view, so that it'd be slightly better. Just slightly. Right. Uh... On the plus side, with it not being at the beginning or at the end, Pasty, I guess it doesn't matter now that you have the network anyways. But right. I was going to say, you if you go back and rewatch it, yeah, 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 you can always just end it after that, but... I guess with the network, no matter where it is, you can just skip to next match, I guess, or next segment. Yeah, no, no. And now now we got Undertaker as himself going on all these podcasts and doing these interview shows. He was just on Hot Ones, and it wasn't that great. That I would rather man. listen to fucking JBL tell Undertaker's road stories than listen to Mark tell Undertaker's road stories. Right, so right. it takes away from the mythology. And like, yeah, and he's so not his character when he's himself. Like, it's he's, so... He's not. Ironically, he, he's very American badass, which I know is your favorite taker, but, mm -hmm. you know, that's kind of, yeah. It's just, I don't know. It hurts. Yeah, yeah. No, I loved Undertaker when the mystery was there, but now that we're peeling this back, I'm like, no, God damn it. There's no way to take it back either, you know? 
what's lost is lost. <laughs> and right. boy, boy, is that a thing lately. But, uh, <laughs> um, yeah. Yep. This one, uh, this, this, this beer right here is for, for the man. One for the working men, pasty. I'll crack one with you. This is for the phenom. God. I feel so bad for him. And Vince did him so dirty here. It was wrong, and the worst part is... Or maybe, actually, it's probably not the worst part, because it's probably better. But I honestly believe Vince feels like he did an amazing job of sending oh, him yeah. off. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I think Vince is proud thing. of this. Oh, Probably. Probably. Which is good. It's good that he didn't try to shit on Taker because that would be awful. But at the same time, it just shows you what Vince thinks is entertainment. Yeah, he shits on it without trying. Yeah. <laughs> that was such good shit in the it's ring. all the time you put them in the home, right? When they shit and they don't know what they're doing. That, that's exactly. <laughs> Fucking A. Exactly. Uh, good old, good old... <laughs> Good old. Uh, good old Godfather had some shit to say on Twitter about it, though. Yeah, he was not happy. And that's one of Taker's best, best friends. Mm-hmm. When, when a fan asked, like, what the hell was up, why they just went out there and disappeared, he chalked it up to bad writing. No, that's no writing. <laughs> you <Yeah. didn't> write, <laughs> if you wrote that... <laughs> You should be. Yeah, that, I don't that know definitely what else wasn't to tell you. <laughs> that sh- if that, I, I hope that's not written down anywhere. <laughs> Sitting around in a writers' room, five guys around the table for Undertaker's going away thing, and there's one guy jumps up. I got it. What's that? We'll just get a lot of the guys who have wrestled a long time ago that can make it, and we'll have them walk to the ring. But we'll announce all their names, and we can do that before we have the Undertaker come out. <laughs> and everybody's like, we're done. Go home. The show is perfect. <laughs> that one Nobody guy who jumped up that. was Vince. Exactly. <laughs> like, son of a bitch. I feel like this is one of those things, if you listen to something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard, he talks about how a lot of times you got to be careful of what kind of jokes you pitch because so many bad things that have gotten on the air started because somebody just made a joke and Vince loved it. And I'm like, I could almost see that. Somebody just said exactly what I said as a joke. And Vince is like, yes, that's it. (laughs) Perfect. He's got to be suffering from like short-term memory loss or something for how that was put together. Cause everything just started and then disappeared and then started and then disappeared. And then they had the Paul bear fucking, Hologram. We didn't even talk about yet. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> I, I legitimately loved that. I hate to say it, but I, I, just, I loved it. I wish Kane was still a wrestler so that when he retired, there could be a hologram of Paul Bearer and Undertaker. Like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and then one day the Fiend, and he gets all three of them. Kane is a... Uh... Kane is going to be the Christian to Undertaker's edge. He's just, one gets a big, huge retirement party and big send-off, and the other one... The other one's the mayor of Knox County. Yeah, the other one just doesn't show up on TV anymore. That's all. No farewell, no fuck you. farewell. Uh. (laughs) Like the the Simpsons episode. After 30 years, this is it. Goodbye. You're, You're fired. Thank you. I don't remember saying thank you. 
Uh, so with all of that, the pay-per-view oh. and the Undertaker segment. Overall, I'm jumping to the final grade here. I'm giving the event a D, and I feel like I'm being uh, gracious. You know, I gave it a C-. The good minus. matches didn't do enough to hold my attention, and that that's where I call issue. That is sad, because they actually did hold mine, but I, but I can I can see it. I understand it. Um... But I will say, if it wasn't for the the shitting of the bed of the Undertaker, I probably would have gave this a B minus. To be honest, that was my original grade. But no, it's a C minus in my book after the debacle that they ended on. Especially when you end that way, not at all. What was your favorite match, Pasty? I think I know what was your best match. Uh, probably Reigns and Drew McIntyre, but I'd say none of them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm best, going with uh, best match of the night is hologram Paul Bear. <laughs> Damn right. <laughs> um, I, I'm going with Oscar uh, Sasha Banks. I thought these women are amazing. They did so much with so little story. Um, that's that's what I got. That was the one that I felt when I was done watching this. I, I enjoyed the most. So, you know, they each their own. I've seen a lot of people saying that this. Uh, Reigns McIntyre match was one of the best ever, and that's their opinion too. You know, it was but, good. It it did, did bring out more out of both guys. I'm just hoping they keep those new, you know, the, the new repertoire going forward. Yeah, just forget those new moves you had to learn because three moves wasn't gonna cut it. <laughs> could you imagine that could have just been the most boring match ever? You know, it could have just did, stuck to their three things. Uh... <laughs> Could have been, could have been just as long, in just those three moves, six moves. Oh, we've uh, seen it from others before, Cena. Yeah. God, and then he added that last one to his repertoire, and it was just that fucking one-inch punch. <laughs> like, the fucking, uh, yeah, the fucking, the one that that Chris Jericho ended up fucking stealing and yeah. slightly altering and using that as his finisher. It was like how dumb. <laughs> Cena, I'm going to do a back fist to end him. <laughs> Jericho, hey, wait a second. I'm going to do a back elbow to finish him. <laughs> come on, guys. I get it, you're older, but come on. You know, the fist would do more damage. There's just more momentum there. I agree. And you have less of a chance of missing him because you got a wider range. Right. Oh, well. Yeah, disappointing and sad, and that's just uh, the way it is. And I'll tell you something that's disappointing and sad, pasties. We have another shortage sentinel this week. Not a lot of news in the canon, but that's all right. We, we still got stuff to talk about. A lot of it, almost all of it, some of it, better than Survivor Series. And... Um, I'll just start this one out right here. and It's our favorite kind of news and Beef Sticks podcast, Pasty, because it turns out WWE filed multiple trademarks last month. Three of, three of note were C-Nation, a trademark for John Cena that was filed for merchandising, the Legend Killer moniker for Randy Orton for use in entertainment services, and the Dean Ambrose name which, of course, is the AEW world champion John Moxley's name that he used back when he was with the E. 
Which is funny. And that one's I don't also think for be trying to get it anytime soon. <laughs> no, but that one's also for entertainment services. So, yeah. Does that mean Randy Orton will like do birthday clown stuff now? Of course. Entertainment services. Uh, I mean, that's that, that's uh, that's what cameo extends to, right? They go from cameo the, to being birthday clowns. That is kind of the new age birthday clown is cameo, yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's brilliant. I love it. <laughs> Why? I don't know. I feel like you should let Cena have the Cena Asian. I don't know. I feel like once they break out and get to Hollywood, you shouldn't keep grasping at them like they're your everything. I don't know. Yeah, but a lot of it also has to go for, especially with the network and video games and yeah. stuff. If he had Cena own C-Nation or Randy yeah, Orton own Cena Legend owned Killer. Yeah, but if C-Nation, he'd probably just let them use it. You know what I mean? It's not like WWE because they're not going to let him use it, you know, unless well, it's in WWE. John Cena would maybe want to let WWE use it, but would his agent and his accountant let him? Probably not. John Cena doesn't have those things. <laughs> he does. You just can't see them. <laughs> <sighs> this is uh, good news for gamers and Xavier Woods fans everywhere. During a very special G4 Holiday Reunion special, G4 Head of Content Kevin Sabby announced that G4 has signed Xavier Woods as host and broadcast personality, saying we could not be happier than to welcome Xavier to the family and introduce the first member of G4's new cast. Woo! The list of on-air talent with advanced degrees in psychology, unbridled passion for video games, and multiple tag team championships is not long. We love Xavier's creative Creed for G4 campaign and cannot wait to showcase his many talents through G4's developing slate of programming. Xavier stands as a fantastic first representative of an exciting and diverse team that we are assembling for G4 and will be introducing in the coming weeks and months. G4 is set to return in 2021. The gaming network was originally on cable TV from 2002 to 2014. Now, this is interesting to me, just on the grounds that he's going by the name Xavier Woods. So is WWE getting all the money from G4 for this? I'm guessing WWE, just like um, just like when their wrestlers go into movies, I'm sure they get a booking fee. So WWE is going to be making money off of this. I can't imagine they won't. Can't imagine they would let him do it without that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. This is just taking the you can't stream on Twitch to a whole nother level now. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I mean they've done that forever. WWE every time you know. WWE um this at is good least. Good for Xavier though, because now he's got an out, and when his contract comes up, he doesn't have to resign with WWE. Right, and he has an outlet to to do more, and you know. Mm. I know up until just recently, and maybe still to this date, but I doubt now. I'm sure they came to an agreement. WWE was making a percentage off of all of uh, Dwayne Johnson's movies because they were technically his his booking agent um, for a long time. I would assume by now that they came to an agreement, but maybe not because he still works closely with them, you know? No, I'm pretty sure WWE still sees a cut of The Rock's movies. I think I heard that recently. So I, know they I mean, still, they still make money off everything John Cena does. 
Yeah. So I mean, so it's not unheard of. It's not like it's it's weird or even, and not even like it's wrong. That's a, a pretty normal thing in the entertainment. That's the business. thing with John Cena, though. You know, The Rock stopped going by The Rock. He goes by Dwayne Johnson. Cena still, it's John Cena. That's his name. But WWE owns it. He's gonna always be indebted to WWE. Right. He'd he'd have to he'd have to fight the trademark. Yeah. You know, which he or could change do. Change his name to Warrior Two. <laughs> Ryback, feed me more Ryback, Ryback. Exactly. Well, Pasty, in Xavier Xavier Woods, in related news over the weekend, he, he is, of course, the creator of the popular YouTube channel Up, Up, Down, Down. He won the eSports Content Creator of the Year Award. Which was quickly grasped by Vince McMahon. <laughs> the, former consequen- <laughs> <laughs> the former Consequences Creed spoke about the hashtag Creed4G4 campaign that he created last summer and how it gained so much momentum above among both WWE fans and gamers, as well as posting on his Twitter, let's go. And of course, up, up, down, down's Twitter page shared. We did it. There's nothing we can't do when we got fans like you people. Congrats. Austin Creed wins. And thank you for voting. Woo. <clears throat> Yeah, and I agree with you. With all of this this stuff that he's getting now, when he leaves WWE, he can just go by Austin Creed and, and keep doing what he's doing, especially because, as you can tell, most of his um, social media stuff is Creed. You know, he's been, he's been sure yeah, long before all of this third-party crap. He's been sure to keep Creed, you know, his legal name. I like that. Very smart of him, for sure. Looking forward to seeing where this goes for him. Hopefully it involves him leaving WWE as soon as his contract is up. And uh, wrestling for AEW, maybe on limited dates. But uh, with the G4 paycheck, he should do just fine anyway. And I think G4 will have some lasting power now. Gaming content is like the biggest thing on YouTube. Right, and I haven't seen where... They're making their their reboot for, so I don't know if it's going to be a cable channel again, if it's going to be a streaming channel. I'm, I'm not sure what it is, but I am very, uh, as an old-time G4... Oh, and I didn't say this before, and I almost forgot. One thing about the G4 relaunch, they better fucking bring Olivia Munn back. God, she was the best thing about G4. It'd be funny because they said <laughs> it was a really short list, so it'd be funny if Xavier was the only guy on G4, the whole TV channel. <laughs> he had to do every show. This is Vince all behind the strings. like the Right. This is how we're going to put down this union shit. <laughs> that's hilarious. Uh, yeah, that's, that's uh, good news. And good news comes and goes, as do the comings and goings, Fat Mac. Yes. Yes. Dave Finley is back to work with WWE as a producer, according to PW Insider. He was one of the several producers furloughed from the company in April as a part of the COVID-19 budget cuts. Finley reportedly returned to work for the company in the last week or so. He was confirmed to be at NXT tapings this week. It's good shit. Yeah, Dave Finley has a, a great mind for the business. and They brought him back just because of war games, I'm sure. We need to get this <laughs> shit right. Johnny Gargano's fucking up. My understanding is he was uh, great with the women's division, especially back when they were first starting to actually let the women wrestle and and not just be quote unquote divas. Yeah. 
So I, I think this is awesome. Glad to see Dave back. Nobody he's a, he's a legend to fight from. That's for sure. Exactly. He is quite the brawler. He'll he'll hit him with the old shillelagh. <laughs> yeah, speaking of speaking of Dave Finley, did you see Are we gonna talk M- the wee nominal one? <laughs> uh. Yeah, the phenomenal wee. <laughs> yeah, Swago comes out. <laughs> As AJ Styles, that it's was so, so awesome on Impact. I hope they rip on him and burn him until his five-year contract is up and he has to go back. <laughs> I, um, You know what? I haven't gotten to see yet, but I really need to go. I was going to watch it today and everything started happening. and um, I, I want to watch the whole episode of Impact from this week, but apparently there is a badass segment on Impact where Sue Young confronts Susie. Ooh. And... Oh, I want to see it. And it's like, yeah, way to be creative about having to have to tape your shows. Like, you can do shit like this now. You can have two people, you know. This is why I'm saying, At Matt, the same time. I hate to say it, but Matt Hardy needs to be, like, the first legitimate person to leave AEW and go back to Impact. I, I agree. I think they're awesome. on top of their cinematic shit right now, and that's the only place it works. Honestly... We've seen it in WWE. We've seen it in AEW. The only place Broken Matt works is at Impact. For real. I agree. I think they just work well together. So I am excited. I would say if anybody has the time, at least go back and check that segment out. I haven't seen it for myself, but from what we know of Impact's history, what I know of Sue Young, and uh, just from what I've heard, it's it's got to be an awesome segment. So I recommend people go back and watch that. I know I'm finna. Have you seen his uh, Matt, Matt Hardy's new work as the iconic Matt Hardy on AEW lately? That's actually pretty decent. Yeah, I seen him on uh, this last week's episode yeah, of, of AEW talking talking to Top Flight about oh, you guys used to watch us when you were growing up, but he's like, yep. oh, well, the Young Bucks used to watch me while I was growing up, and so you <laughs> watching them watching me, I'm uh, the reason for all of this, Matt fact. <laughs> I like it, and if that's like the cocky, if he wants to go back to like a V one style heel character, do right. it. Do it because the broken just it works better than the broken, at least there. Yeah. Yep. Well, you more good news. Another furloughed employee, former cruiserweight champion Shane Helms, and former uh, uh, Talking Shop Mania guest, returned to WWE in his producer role. He was the just hurt. in the Matt Hardy segment of the last AEW pay-per-view. And <laughs> WWE's like, no, you got to come back. <laughs> the Hurricane was reportedly backstage at Survivor Series, and he was also a producer on this week's episode of Raw. Yeah, they seen that uh, Talking Shop Mania, i.e. kind of Impact, they're Impact-esque, and AEW were all over him. So they, <laughs> they're like the kid that doesn't like a toy and quits playing with it, but as soon as another kid starts playing with it, mine, I want it. Who better to make <laughs> reference to an action figure? <laughs> right? That is true. What's up with that? He is Vince's least favorite toy. I swear. Yeah. Uh, what's good stuff? AEW announced Monday Top Flight are all elite. Airwolf and El Angel Dorado, real-life brothers Darius and Dante Martin, have signed with the Elite Company after making their debut on last week's Dynamite. The 21- and 19-year-old brothers went up against AEW World Tag Team Champions, the Young Bucks. 
The high players put up a good effort against Matt and Nick Jackson, but lost after Dante took a BTE trigger for the pinfall loss. They also wrestled on this past Wednesday's Dynamite. Why don't you tell us a little bit about these two up-and-coming youngsters, Fat Mac? Well, they are known as the coldest team in the game. The formerly masked Top Flight were trained at the Academy School of Professional Wrestling in Minnesota. Why would those sexy boys cover their faces? Uh, Because they have pretty cool masks. And they were trained by Midwesterner Ken Anderson and Minnesota superstars such as Sean Devari, Arya Devari, Molly Holly, and Beef Sticks alumnus Eric Cannon. Ow, ow! Wish I had a they PBR rest- right now for you, Cannon. I wish I did. They have wrestled all over the country, but were mainstays in Eric Cannon's first wrestling in Minneapolis, where they are former tag champs, and Airwolf is a former first wrestling champion. I am yeah. so excited for for these kids in AEW. They, I mean, I, I've watched them wrestle before, but seeing them in a big stage and against this top-tier talent, they did not look out of place at all. No, they, they first time on national TV, they did fucking wonderful. These guys were amazing. I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do. Uh, I know this week they're facing another <laughs> solid tag team, I believe, uh, SCU. Oh yeah, Am shit! You can't go wrong with that. I don't know. It was there, it was announced on. Uh, well, I know they they wrestled the hybrid two. Oh, this, there we go, this, hybrid two. Yeah, week. that was the one. Yep. The one on this week was the hybrid two, and that was a good match as well. They did lose, but I, I'm okay with the youngsters losing to these more established teams, and they did cheat also. So yeah. Well, um, these, so the, the, the hybrid lost. two, they they definitely need to be making some moves now. Anyway, they've been all year. I guess just wait for the year reset and then start doing shit. But they have not had a good year, right? But uh, yeah, and the I, top flight, great putting Minnesota on the map. Maybe we can make Minnesota the next Chicago when it comes to wrestling. You know, um, well, and you know, maybe we can just bring it back to its prominence because it used to be all the good wrestlers came from Minnesota. Yeah. You know, you look at your Tully Blanchards, you look at your Ric Flair's, you look at your uh, Vern Gagne's. Uh, oh, God, there's a million and one list, and I'm, I'm just drawing a blank on so many of them. But they were all Minnesota. Oh, the Road Warriors were Minnesota natives. It's just Kurt Hennig, Mr. Perfect. Oh, yeah. The list goes on and on. Plus, as we mentioned here, Molly Holly, the uh, Davari brothers, I just, I will say, I I love their masks, and I, I was kind of bummed that they didn't wear their masks, so I kind of hope somewhere down the line they even maybe just wear them to the ring and take them off or something. But, I mean, I'm so proud of these kids. I'm so happy. I've loved watching them in, in tiny arenas or tiny gyms and shit, and now to see that they made it, that's the dream. And, you know, they, they had a segment on the show where they said they literally just DM'd Matt uh, Jackson, I think it was, and said, hey, we'd like to wrestle you guys. <laughs> and that it was just as simple as that. That's so crazy. I love how that works. Although and, um, I think you got to feel bad for Private Party right about now because I think they just got <laughs> replaced. Right? Everybody I, I, was like, oh, Private Party is going to be the next big thing. And now, 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 it's, now it's these guys. Yeah, I, I will admit but it kind of shows you, it makes me think, um, I was listening to Talk and Shop where they had Kira Hogan uh, on there, and um, she was talking about how when 
she would just go to all these wrestling events. She wasn't booked. She didn't know anybody there. She'd just go. She'd have her ring her uh, her ring gear with her, and she'd just be like, "Hey, could you use Trip me tonight?" Somebody you backstage, know? Be like, there's something oh, going hey. on. You know, somebody, <laughs> somebody might be late. Somebody might get hurt or something, and yeah, or they might just see might her. Get hurt. <laughs> <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> or, or and they said, uh, or, or you know. Maybe, you know, that we don't get booked that night, but then they say, hey, we got a show, you know, in this town. We could use you for an opener or something. You want to do it? So it's like, yeah, just things like that. I'm I'm not a wrestler, but I think that's everything in life. Sometimes you just got to go out there and try to do it. And maybe just DMing Matt Jackson will get you, <laughs> get you a contract with TNT. <laughs> I mean, tweeting Cody is what got Eddie Kingston to AEW. So, I mean, exactly. Get their attention. You and I should try it. We should. They don't have a nice plump tag team in the division yet. We should get ourselves blocked. <laughs> <laughs> Got another big news we didn't talk about either. Uh, uh, fucking Taz's son is training with Cody. Well, yeah, he's training. He hasn't really. He just started training, so I mean, we're not going to see him. I would assume we wouldn't well, see him for a year. the way they announced that so, on but... AEW, he's going to be debuting there. Uh, well, yeah, but probably not for a while. I would hope not. <laughs> Hook, they call him Taz Hook. The Taz mission in. Yeah, Taz and Hook. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome because we haven't seen a Taz mission for over a decade because mm-hmm. of his health problems, you know, his neck problems. Yeah. So that is cool. Yeah, I thought it was kind of weird and kind of forced that they had Hook on there for some reason. I still don't get it, but we'll see what happens. I, I feel like they're just doing it because they wanted Dominic. Yeah. But it's like, even Dominic is, is still too green right now, in my opinion. You bring this kid in, who from everything I've seen so far, like, has literally just started training. Like, he just started now. He's never had a match or anything. He's just running the ropes and taking flatbacks and stuff. I don't know. It seems weird. And then did you hear about their main event rumors for next week's Dynamite? No. The the wild rumor mill says Kenta is the one who laid out fucking mocks backstage two weeks ago. I've and seen people online speculate that. I, I Wasn't he the one that did it in sources. NXT? Wasn't he the one that did it in NXT when, I don't remember if it was Gargano or who, somebody got. Yeah, yeah. It was Kenta, wasn't it? Yeah. But if he's coming after Mox for the IC, for the New Japan IC title, you know. The U.S. title. Oh, U.S. Or, title. Yeah, Sorry. the U.S. title. Yeah. That's, uh, that could be really cool. And it would be your first New Japan AEW appearance together and. So it would be cool. I I think it's far fetched, especially with COVID and everything going on. Not to say it doesn't happen because well, there he's are people, in Florida. That's you know. what the reports that I had heard said. He was in Florida. He got there yeah. at the end of last week, and he was in quarantine for a week mm-hmm. before the. It event. would. I mean, it would be cool. I think it's far fetched, but again, I don't know who's a good answer for who attacked Moxley. So, um, you know, that would be super badass. Although at the same point, I'd have to turn around and ask. Why aren't you having a New Japan guy who hasn't been in WWE come to AEW? <laughs> right. I'm kind of getting tired of the WWE guys. But that's the problem because there's so many guys in, AW, in WWE. I just want to go to AEW. So it's like, I don't know. I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about that. I don't know either, but I know that I, I love Kenta. And so I'm fine with him being more accessible to watch for me. 
<laughs> Honestly, um, <clears throat> I can't say that I can't say that AEW has been really, um, been really f- fair is not the word I want to say. They haven't been really kind to Japanese performers. I don't think. I know uh, Hikaru Shida has held the the belt now for quite a while, but she's kind of the only. The only real I can think of Japanese wrestler that's been pushed on AEW. I can't well, think of I anybody think, who's even on their the shows. Because in the beginning, they were more showcasing Chinese talent in the first place. And that wasn't even a signed deal. That was and just for agreement. Yeah, by showcasing, you mean they had two matches. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I definitely want to see them do more stuff with New Japan. I do that. think, I will say this, I think that they're building up to a uh, trios title to be at... Um, um, double or nothing. Yeah. Because now that they've split up, you know, they, they split up the, um, I guess it doesn't have a name, but um, Eddie Kingston's group brought the Death Triangle back. Like, so now there's a team of Eddie three Kingston's group. fam. That was like the closest thing to a group name. Yeah, I don't like, I don't like that at all. <laughs> no, no. There's so many, you know, three people teams right now that. Eddie, three Kingston, people group Eddie or... Kingston's fam just makes me think baby's kids. <laughs> that's a, wow, that's a reference that's dated. <laughs> Some baby's kids. That was a hilarious ass movie. God. You got the Jurassic Express. Um, what'd you think of the Panda Express? Did you watch that? Uh. Yeah, I believe I saw the panda do something some point. I wasn't fully paying attention. Uh, it was it was it was fun. Right away, right at the beginning, they throw him throw him against the ropes, and then he does the uh, you know drop down, and you know you go over him and hit the other rope, and after the second time back, he just fucking gets winded. <laughs> <He's> just, <laughs> can't do it. <laughs> Big. Big old panda. He doesn't. He doesn't move well. <laughs> it was. Good. It was. It was a good comedy segment. You know, AEW's like characters with... might be far fetched, but they feel so much better than WWE characters. What was the deal with Dark this week? I never watched Dark, and I wanted to see the Lucha Express versus the Panda Express. And Dark was an uh, two and a half hours long. Oh no no! Dark varies. Dark Dark is wildly different every week Holy you tune in. Shit. Sometimes they only have six matches. Sometimes they have fourteen matches. You well, don't know what of, you're gonna get until they. I'll announce tell you what, it. there was a lot of filler on this week's Dark. A lot of filler, <laughs> including Jurassic Express versus Panda Express. It wasn't yeah. a good match, but it gave me a laugh. But that's the thing, though. It's, it's it doesn't even just showcase AEW talent. It showcases a lot of indie talent who are on. Per, oh yeah. Per appearance agreement. It keeps the indies going in this time of COVID, and I think it's a beautiful thing. I don't tune oh, in nearly awesome. as much as I should. The last time I tuned in was to see Brandon Cutler beat Peter Avalon. Yeah. I love that, and Brandon Cutler gets his second win. Am I? A, is this a streak now? Am I on a streak? <laughs> <laughs> uh. <clears throat> They're going to go do good things with that guy that doesn't have any hips. He is very, like, straight line from the armpits down. It's weird. <laughs> that's why I, I think that's why he never made it big, because he can't keep his pants on. I don't know. It's <laughs> He's so oddly shaped. And then he's a big D&D guy, and so he's very socially awkward. 
I'm looking forward to seeing how they develop him throughout the years. Because I think he can yeah. be something, but it's going to take a long road to get there. Right. Well, Pasty, now we're at the point of the show nobody enjoys. This is basically this is basically like Survivor Series already. 2020. It's, it's a Survivor Series 2020, Pasty. We get, get through everything, and now you're at the end, and you know it's going to be bad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're going to draw this one out, too. It's going to be real painful. <laughs> Folks, it's time for this week's Injury Report. First off, Braun Strowman suffered a knee injury during the Raw vs. SmackDown Survivor Series match. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. David P. Meltzer, good old Uncle Dave, noted that the tournament was to determine McIntyre's opponent at TLC. It was a last-minute idea because Strowman was going to get the title shot at the pay-per-view. As a result, WWE announced that Braun Strowman has been suspended indefinitely for putting his hands on WWE producer Adam Pearce during this week's Raw. You know, I don't watch WWE right now other than the pay-per-views, but I've heard that old scrap iron Adam Pierce has been getting a lot he's, of he's TV funny. time. He's basically like the uh, he's the authority figure without being called the authority figure, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's My a favorite shame he was didn't... when he was trying to get the contract signed between uh, Roman and Strowman. Galloway? Oh. No, the the was the triple threat. Okay. Yeah, and he had to go to the Fiend and to Strowman and to Roman to get the contract signed, and he was funny. It was just fucking hilarious. I like cool. him. I like him as an authority figure because he's not authoritative at all. He's a little bitch, <laughs> and it's fucking great. It's just a shame that he didn't make it to WWE until his in-ring career was over because he's an awesome wrestler, former NWA champion. Yeah. We like old Scrap Iron Adam Pierce. Uh, somebody else that we really like, Pasty, but um, is gone. Huge name in wrestling, an internet wrestling pioneer, Impact Wrestling executive Bob Ryder passed away at his home in Nashville this following this past Tuesday following a lengthy battle of cancer. It actually was almost a decade. I think it was going to be 10 years God, he fought cancer in Take this February. very seriously. When we tell you to love, spread love like cancer, we didn't mean it this literally. Calm <laughs> down. Uh, in fact, some of you may not know the name Bob Ryder, but the very idea to create Impact Wrestling, at the time known as TNA, was actually born on Bob's fishing boat during a trip off the Gulf Coast in 2001 with Jeff and Jerry Jarrett. Oh, I bet they were talking about lots of tits and ass on that boat. <laughs> yeah, how did, how did that come about, Pasty? Well, Ryder felt that the closing of ECW and WCW led many television stations to regard professional wrestling as bad for business. So he suggested a company not reliant on television, but rather one going straight to pay-per-view. It is no exaggeration to state Impact Wrestling would never have existed without Bob's inspiration. It would not have gone on to entertain millions of us fans over two decades without his passion and dedication behind the curtains. Yes, in fact, anyone who remembers Bob hosting the first ever online WWE chat at WrestleMania 11. Yes, folks, he's been in the WrestleMania or in the wrestling business that long. He was also on the ninth. Uh, <laughs> it was probably before. No, it'd been before AOL. Wow. 
let me see, 10, 95? No, probably about that time then. Uh, he also did the 90s Prodigy Chats, which you could, back in the day, they were basically almost like a uh, Wrestling Observer newsletter online. He'd get people to come in. I know Eric Bischoff was on Prodigy a lot. They had WWF, WCW, podcasts. ECW guys. <laughs> kind of. He was huge in the Prodigy Chats with Joey Styles. In fact, he launched OneWrestling.com, one of the first all-wrestling uh, domains ever. And he also co-hosted WCW Live with Jeremy Borash. Um, few people in, in the pro wrestling world loved wrestling as much as Bob did and with the passion he did. In fact, Ryder and Borash were actually the last voices heard on any WCW broadcast on the show they hosted following the final WCW Nitro episode in March 2001. There's a little trivia for you folks out there. Crazy. I also want to know what the connection between OneWrestling.com and First Wrestling is, because I feel like there's got to be something, some kind of connection. <laughs> they kept the one in the title, for Christ's sakes. You know right? I mean? Like, <laughs> There's something there, and I want to dig into that a little bit more. To the end of his life, Bob was a loyal, trusted, hardworking, and beloved member of the Impact Wrestling family. Many believe his passion is what allowed him to outlive his diagnosis by many years. Living well beyond the three to six months he was initially told he had left. During the entire time with his illness, Bob insisted on continuing to contribute to Impact. He refused every offer to take time off or a sabbatical, even after chemotherapy sessions. He wanted and needed to be involved. There are a lot of people who live for pro wrestling. With Bob, it may have been literal. And that is the same reason we're stuck with Vince. <laughs> yeah, actually. That is, you look at it though, that's amazing. They gave him yeah. three to six months to live and he would have been fighting, since his diagnosis would have been a decade in February. So, wow. That's he the almost... impact spirit. <laughs> that is, that is literally the <laughs> impact spirit. Huh? No matter how much they try to kill it, fuck it, it'll never die. <laughs> It'd be so well, it, sad well, if, it uh, did. He did. He died. I was going to say, it'd be so sad if next year Impact goes under. <laughs> it's like, shit, Bob Ryder was the spirit of Impact. Sad to see him go. You just get a hologram. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like how he didn't even say, like, Undertaker. They just had him go, like, E. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> I know. It's it wasn't awesome. even a normal, like, Paul Bearer thing to do. It was just some weird sound. <laughs> right. <laughs> it felt like South Park. What are the spooky ghosts? <laughs> oh. <laughs> not good times. Not good times at all. Well, Pacey, I think that's it. Yeah. Yep, that is the show for you this week, folks. Hey, we, we stretched out all, pretty uh, good. Got about an hour and a half of content for those ear holes this week. And I hope you all enjoyed it more than uh, we enjoyed the Survivor Series, I'll tell you that. Oof. God, it was almost not worth it to do this show this week. That's <laughs> that's <laughs> where sad. Pasty sits. It's uh, sad. Well, with that being said, Pasty, uh, uh, you know, I'm Fat Mac. And I'm pasty, or so you say. Uh, love, spread it like cancer. and Just like Bob Ryder did. 
Yeah. Make sure you're spreading love, though, not the other thing, okay? Um, yeah. What? They can spread their legs. Well, you can't. Yeah, okay, fine. We enjoy that. <laughs> love, spread it like your mother's legs. <laughs> That's terrible. That is awful. That's horrible. Now you folks got to go back to your everyday life, so it's time for you to snap out of it. <laughs> 